Travis, and welcome back to Roadless Traveled, where we talk about journeys that different people face in order to come where they are today. In this episode, we will be talking about Enrique's Journey by Sonia Narzero, a nonfiction book that focuses on the true story of a boy determined to reunite with his mother. What made me choose this book is that I have always been curious as to what really went on through immigration. Immigration is such a large topic today and something that happens so often, but no one really tells you the whole journey throughout it. In this book, I did know before I picked up the book that it would follow a young boy who would risk it all to reunite with his mother, but little did I know everything he would absolutely have to risk in order to have that one satisfaction that most of us are lucky enough to have every day, which was to see his mother again. This topic interested me because, as I said earlier, I have no first-hand experience with it, and I've always been curious as to the journey that they have to take in order to have something in order to have a better life. Something that I absolutely loved about the book was that it was so real. I actually felt like I was there in the moment in this book and was witnessing every single detail that was happening. Although I absolutely loved the whole realness effect of it, I was also sometimes challenged at the harsh reality that I came to the conclusion that they had to actually face. If anything in this book, though, can help you understand the true concept of what they must go through, it is this book on its own. I want to read you a section of the book starting on page 58 that talks about one of the first life or death beatings Enrique faced on his journey to the United States. At the bottom of page 58, it says, here is what Enrique recalls. It is night. He is riding on a freight train. A stranger climbs up the side of his tanker car and asks for a cigarette. The man moves quickly, but Enrique is not alarmed. Sometimes migrants riding on the train climb from car to car, trying to move forward or backward. Trees hide the light of the moon, and Enrique does not see two men who are behind the stranger, or three more creeping up the other side of the car. Dozens of migrants cling to the train, but no one is within shouting distance. One of the men reaches Enrique and grabs him with both hands. Someone else seizes him from behind. They slam him face down, all six around him, taking off everything, one says. Another swings a wooden club. He cracks into the back of Enrique's head, then smacks his face. Enrique feels someone yank off his shoes, hands paw through his pockets. One of the men pulls out a small scrap of paper. It has his mother's telephone number. Without it, he has no way to locate her. The man tosses the paper into the air. Enrique sees it flutter away. The men pull off his pants. His mother's number is inked inside the waistband. Enrique has less than 50 pesos in the pocket, only a few coins that he has gathered begging. The men curse and fling the pants overboard. The blows land harder. Don't kill me, Enrique pleads. Shut up, someone says. Enrique's cat flies away. Someone rips off his shirt. Another blow hits the left side of his face. It shatters three teeth. They rattle like broken glass in his mouth. The men pummel him for what seems like ten minutes. The robbery has turned into blood sport. One of the men stands over Enrique, straddling him. He wraps the sleeve of a jacket around Enrique's neck and starts to twist. Enrique wheezes, coughs, and gasps for air. His hands move feverishly from his neck to his face as he tries to breathe and protect his face from the blows. Throw him off the train, one man yells. Enrique's mind races to his mother. He will be buried in an unmarked grave and she will never know what happened. Please, he asks God, don't let me die without seeing her again. The man with the jacket slips. The noose around Enrique's neck loosens. 
Enrique struggles to his knees, ready to run. He has been stripped of everything but his underwear. He manages to stand. He runs along the top of the fuel car, desperately trying to balance on the smooth, curved surface. Loose tracks flail the train from side to side. There are no lights. It is so dark he can barely see his feet. The train is rolling at what must be at 40 miles per hour. Leaping from one car to another at such speed would be suicidal. Enrique knows he could slip, fall between the cars, and be sucked under. He stumbles, then regains his footing. In half a dozen strides, he reaches the rear of the car. He hears the men coming. Carefully, he jumps down onto the coupler that holds the cars together. It is just inches from the hot, turning wheels. He hears the muffled pop of gunshots and knows what he must do. He leaps from the train, flinging himself outward into the black void. He hits dirt by the tracks and crumbles to the ground. He crawls 30 feet. His knees throbs. Finally, he collapses under a small mango tree. Enrique cannot see blood, but he senses it everywhere. It runs in gooey dribbles down his face and out of his ears and nose. It tastes bitter in his mouth. Still, he feels overwhelming relief. The blows have stopped. This passage, as I said earlier, talks about one of the first life or death beatings that Enrique faced. It really shows everything that he had to go through, and it really focuses on every detail, allowing us to see exactly what everyone else would have been seeing and hearing and thinking, and really puts us like we're in that exact environment. One rhetorical choice that I noticed the author making throughout the book consecutively is imagery. The author really focused on the fact of imagery to help rely on giving everyone the details and allowing them to feel like they were there in the exact situation, which makes it all more realistic and heartbreaking at the same time. One of my favorite rhetoric strategies that the author also used throughout the book was the use of Spanish in different diction. Whenever a character was talking to another, they would often use Spanish and then he would translate it. It really helped us really see what the conversations were actually like instead of just writing it completely in English. An amazing strategy that the author also used throughout the book is the use of subtitles. For each situation, Zonia made sure to have a different subtitle that really talked about the situation itself in that subtitle, which helps you know what you are about to read about. For example, if you are about to read about Enrique's journey on a certain mountain, she had the subtitle, The Mountains, on page 106. The use of the rhetorical devices and rhetorical strategies and the way that the book was structured not only gave it a true real-life experience feeling, but it also gave it an almost of like a diary-like feeling. So it really felt like you were just getting every detail, every emotion, and everything that was going on all in one. Oh my gosh, guys, though. This book was absolutely amazing. I would give it five out of five stars. Although it's not like anything I've ever read before, it was just helped me learn about something that I've always wanted to learn about and I really felt like I got such a real life experience that I would read this book again on my own. And I really think you guys should check it out too. Well, that's going to be it for today. Thanks for checking in to Roadless Travel for this episode on Enrique's journey and the journey he took in order to reach his mother. If you guys have any recommendations about what the next episode I should do for my podcast is, let me know. And if not, I'll see you next week. Bye, guys.